Welcome to Exit the Echo Chamber, Episode 5. My name is William Rhoda, and I'll be your host! Today on the show, we're talking to Martin Maracci, a man who will look you in the eye with a straight face and say, I legalized hemp. Martin's resume in the hemp game is long. Not only did he lobby to have hemp legalized in Canada during the 90s, but he also started Manitoba Harvest and Hemp Hearts. This guy's even been in High Times Magazine. I connected with Martin through my friend and everybody's favorite Winnipeg nightlife tycoon, Daniel Sager. And you'll hear Dan chip in a couple times off mic throughout the episode. These guys were supposed to show up for an interview at 8pm. At 8.30, they called and said they'd be here by 9. At 10, I'd pretty much given up hope of them showing up. At 10.30, I roll the fatty, ready to smoke myself into submission and hit the hay for the night. At 11pm, I'm high as hell, and the doorbell rings. Dan and Martin come in. I shake hands with Martin, and he immediately starts spouting shit. We get to the table, and I'm like, dude, can we mic check you? You're dropping gems here. Martin's like, yeah, fuck, turn the mic on. And he goes right back to what he was saying, which is why this episode starts mid-sentence, exactly where I turned the mic on. I'm going to warn you guys right now, if you need to grab something to drink or take a piss or anything, now's the time, because this guy does not stop talking for the next hour and 40. Before the episode's over, we'll get into everything. I'm talking hemp, CBD, psychedelics, cryptocurrency, anarchy, and world domination, baby. Despite being too high to talk properly for most of the episode, I had an awesome time talking with Martin. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Anyway, let's go! conform and take you know a, a, a position of esteem in uh, consolidated growth and processors one of the companies that uh, I, the first publicly traded hemp company cannabis company in, in modern times um, I, I founded that with this banker woman who's now in jail for all these different you know, fraud you know, associated things and if you check out Canada's hemp story dot com yeah no I, I was just it's on like, the, yeah it's yeah. on the it's on the uh, CGP throws me under the bus section I think you know basically they <laughs> they put out a fraudulent press release, signed my name on it, <laughs> to a, to, a, to in order to trick investors into buying the stock when she knew very well that the deal fell through. I was there, watching the deal fell th- fall through, and I get back to Canada on the plane flight, and all of a sudden my friend says, "Hey, you put out a press release saying the deal went through." And I'm like, "Oh my God! Like this is the level that we're operating on here." You know, I just couldn't believe that. You know, because everything else up to that point was true. We were, you know, hemp. There's no reason to lie about hemp. You know, it's yeah. You know, they, all of the information that I was putting out 25 years ago is still right. It's still pertinent. Like maybe the, you know some of the stuff about you know it can do without pesticides. Or, but for the most part, yeah. You know, there are some you know bugs that like the birth of armyworm when we grew it in 1995. There was like it was a real problem. And Jack Lowe's was talking about how you know it's a real thing. You know, but we've never had a birth of armyworm infestation ever since. Like it was just for that one section of that one crop. But you know, it it is a robust um, uh, resource, limitless resource that the government is doing everything in its power to keep us away from. They made up marijuana to keep us away from hemp. Hemp is the real value. All these like, marijuana companies are talking about, oh, the weed, the weed game. Like, CBD, which is hemp, is easily 10 times the size of THC. You've got every mom in there, everybody wants 
you know, to deal with their pain, but they don't want to necessarily want to be high and uncomfortable and having to like, so it's the perfect solution. And it's a way of dealing with inflammation. Like you could eat really, really well and you keep your inflammation down, or you can eat like you're eating and then take the, you know, the CBD and then that will keep the inflammation down. It's almost the same net effect, you know. So here is this way of like making you feel better, more, you know, you're not spending your time trying to heal and, and deal with your aches and your pains, and you can start being more creative with your time. And that's where if they allowed us to think more, we would see the, 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 the wheel of the rat race that they got us on, you know, like the, this whole debt system where everybody is working from nine to five, you know, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week, 16 hours a day sometimes, double shift in order to, you know, we're giving up our, our opportunity to record experiences for our next life, <laughs> for somebody else's pursuit of money. You know, money in and of itself, we can talk about that in a little bit, but the, uh, the whole idea of um, giving up my time to do somebody else's dream is, you know, I had to stop that right away. Like, as soon as I started doing that out of school, I realized that this is not at all in my best interest and that I, and I just needed to find out how do I live my life so that I don't undermine my children's future. You know, if I'm going to be doing something to make a living, but I'm going to be polluting because of it, that's not acceptable or if I'm going to be taking from somebody or if I'm going to be exploiting somebody in order to give my children that's not acceptable and I didn't really find very many options until I found hemp and that's what I thought like well here's a way to you know potentially do good in all aspects of my of my my you know daily living and once I realized that it was an incredible food you know, that was a mind boggler, you know, and then I really learned that these cannabinoids can do things for the body that other drugs can't. They, let's get, like, right, so, whoa, all right, so, like, let's go right to the beginning here, like, when do you first hear about hemp, like, how, what's, what's the inciting incident for you? Well, I, you know, I wasn't a stoner in school, I was, like, a geek, you know, athlete kid who was just really okay. into, like, you know, you know mathematics and you know and playing volleyball and you know just kind of not really fitting in I was an immigrant kid you know I, I didn't speak English when I moved here in, in 1970 from Bratislava Czechoslovakia at the time you grew up in Winnipeg I, I grew up in New Winnipeg in Charleswood okay yeah and then in Charleswood and a little bit of tuxedo and then I went to you know, to Shaftesbury High School and really was you know well indoctrinated into the, the system of belief and went and tried that for a few years and led me nowhere it was just a, a miserable you know experience of is that cat bothering you know, just, just scratch me a little bit <laughs> it was really cute though <laughs> it, it was you know it really did not lead me to anything satisfying with my life and i ended up going traveling with a backpack and i did um you know i've never done any you know i barely smoked any it was like pot. right out of high school. Yeah. Or? Well, well, you know, it was out of uh, university actually. Okay. Yeah. Like, and so I went right out of high school. I went to university. Took four years of sciences. Got my bachelor of science. And then right after that, I just said, like, you know, um, you know, this is 
it's time to go traveling essentially and so I picked up a backpack and went off for like three or four months and and I never really you know I, I didn't have my first beer until I was 18 and a half years old huh. and I, you know and I never smoked my you know but first joint until I was like 22 and you know like I really was not your you know the the stoner guy in school at all in fact I was very you know against it because I believed I was a really well indoctrinated you know student of, right. of their game but you know my, I didn't have any brothers I was an only child both my parents worked all the time and I was, grew up with the television and so the television was what I believed and uh and then I took that theory out into the world and got smashed. <laughs> you know, that just, it just does not work. You know, the way that right. they teach us to be is completely annoying. You know, you turn, you know, in the workplace, it turns into like, you know, high schools types of politics. You know, like they, it, it's very, um, people only do what they know what to do. And this, I never have been in a place where I'm competing with 30 other people my exact same age for a knowledge, you know, re, 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 you know retention <laughs> exercise. <Yeah>. Like, it just, <laughs> it's just like, you know, it doesn't seem like the skills that I learned in school were really applicable. And it, was, it wasn't until I went traveling. And like I said, so now imagine the scenario where, you know, I've never really done anything in terms of drug-wise, you know, barely smoked weed, you know, drunk a few beers, but, you know, not, nothing in, in, beyond that. And then I go traveling and meet Wallace and uh, invite him to stay with me. And, Who's and Wallace? Wallace Charman. Uh, he's, he's, he'll, if he hears this, he'll know who he is. <laughs> and uh, he basically, uh, you know, it took me up on my invitation to stay with me and my timeshare that my dad gifted to me because you know, we were as part of this Royal Oak timeshare thing. Anyway, and he goes, hey, man, have you ever tried acid? <laughs> and I was like, no, what is it? And you know, being completely on the other side of the world, lost, have no no vision as to what I'm going to do. I'm just right. Like, I, I'm right. I was completely like, oh my gosh, like I am on the end of the world as far as I'm concerned. I don't, and I'm here looking for something to do. And he's like, well, I've been traveling with it for a little while, so it's probably pretty weak. So I better give you a six. <laughs> <laughs> so he gives me six hits of acid, and I'm like, take it, and they're completely naively. Nice round and, number. Yeah, and um, you know, I uh, I just I met. Uh, you know the spirit of good. You know they call him. You know the the pagans call him Jesus, but the Hebrews call him Yeshua. But there is like a spirit. Uh, you know obviously there's spirits. Like we, our brains are spirits, right? Like we're yeah. a three dimensional body happening in a fourth dimension of time, being driven by a consciousness that our conversation is happening at right now. Like we don't have to be together for our spirits to be conversing. We can talk into the microphone and not just like all of our audiences right now we're all in each other's heads but we're not locally together so i dig that yeah so that's spirit that's what that that's what the spirit is like when you die your fifth dimensional self the consciousness like your fifth dimensional self is driving your body in this fourth dimensional river of time and eventually you're going to hit the shore and if you leave a trail of misery in your life you know, you're going to have to take a position on that shore to watch all the misery continue to pass by you. So you're going to go to hell. But if you do leave a trail of good in your life, when you land on the shore, you're going to see all this beauty and you're going to be in heaven. You know, so it's very much uh, a matter of what your experiences you take here in the world, not what you accumulate you don't take any of what you accumulate. You don't take your body. You don't take your possessions. You don't take your house. You don't take any of the numbers. But I, you know, I'm, I'm personally convinced that 
you do take your experiences. You know, you do take your memories with you. That's what we're here for, is to build up a, a robust body of memories. And anybody who doesn't do that is missing out the point of being alive, because after all, the body is the placenta of the soul. Deep. So, you're in Europe? Where are you doing acid? It was in the uh, southern tip of Spain, in a place called uh, Marbella. Sick. And then, um, what now? Well, it was a really interesting experience because, um, like, right away things started to rush, and all these heroes who I thought were heroes of mine, like Che Guevara, showed up, and then Fidel Castro shows up, and like Napoleon shows up, and all these like <laughs> historical figures going back and back. And it wasn't until Yeshua shows up that I that I could like actually have a conversation because they were all just like they they failed me as as I go back in my mind I realize that none of these people are really to be esteemed you know the only people only person that I you know, could see in history to be esteemed was the one who said let the children come to me and let you know let love you know you know be the rule of the day that like to you know give to Caesar what is Caesar's like all the the genius and the confounding you know like anybody who you know for, you know foregoes the story because they think that Christians are stupid. It's too bad that Christians portray themselves that way. But the, the wisdom that is in his words and his teachings is it really is, is not unparalleled, you know, and people should not forego it. They do not cast out the pearls, you know, uh, with, the, with, the, uh, with the good stuff. There is real, real good stuff. And, and everybody needs to do it on their time. Like, you know, I, it took me until I was like in my 40s until I was like ready to read the Bible. You know, like the, the real one, not like, you know, not the King James. But you, you need to read like the Hebrew version of it. Like, you know, like try to get as like translatable from the Hebrew as you possibly can because it gets tainted as soon as they start using all these weird words and these newer versions. So, and what and and the reason why you want to do that is because it's an irre, irrefutable archaeological fact that this document, you know, the Old Testament anyway, goes back, you know. Before you know, there was um, you know acceptable counting of time going on. You know they they and it's really a lot of our calendar today. You know uses the Hebrew sort of origin point to sort of point to the BC count of it, and then you know we get I think Augustine or something and, and zero, and then it turns into we start counting up, and now we're up at two thousand. But you know. I don't, I don't know if it's, it should get into, but why is it only, you know, 6,000 years old? <laughs> like, why do we only go to 4,000 B.C.? Why don't we go to 40,000 B.C.? Why don't we go to 400,000 B.C.? Why do we not know anything about our past before 4,000 years B.C.? You got the wrong guy, man. I'm just an electrician. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff I like to talk about. What are you going to talk right about? On. Uh, me? Like, hemp, primarily today. Awesome. okay. But, uh, don't be afraid to digress either. This yeah. is all good. Yeah, you know, I just, um, sometimes I feel like, you know, spouting off. You know, oh, kinda, by all means. Yeah, yeah and, that's know, what we're I, here to do. And sure. I just, you know, I feel like everybody really is blind. Like, they just have no clue as to what the real nature of the universe is. That, that, you know, water is fundamental to life, as is electricity. And these, these two things, you know, are the real forces of nature, not gravity. 
like this whole Big Bang Theory is like, it's I find it funny that they have this comedy show called The Big Bang Theory because they're telling everybody it's a comedy. Don't take it seriously. It's completely you can't test the Big Bang. It's untestable. You know the theory I subscribe to is the electric universe, and uh, you know that the universe is held together by electricity or driven by electricity, not by gravity. Gravity's far too small of a force. It's not anywhere near strong enough. Electricity is like 10 to the 18 times stronger than gravity is. You know, it has more than enough you know, energy to, to drive things. And, and that the sun is like cold in the center, not, you know, that, that, that the heat from the sun is generated in its corona, about 100,000 kilometers off the surface. It's about 5 million degrees in the corona. And on the surface, it's about 5,000 degrees. And in the the sunspots, which are holes in the surface, it's even colder than that. So, you know, I think that the sun's emitting something and it's meeting up with the center of the galaxy's emission of something, this, this huge electric wave that is being emitted from the center of the Milky Way galaxy that's powering the sun in the same way that when you burn a match, the hottest part of the match is not in the center of the match, it's in the area around the match where right. the interaction between the oxygen and the sulfur is taking place. And that reaction is where the heat is being released. Well, similarly, that's what's happening with our sun. That's the only way I can explain why the corona is, you know, 5 million degrees, is, is that the reaction is happening. The sun is emitting something, and it's reacting with what the galaxy is, you know, is, is sending out. And then that reaction creates not only that brilliant light bulb type of effect, heat. because it doesn't look like a fire burning, right? It looks like a light bulb. Right. And, and I think that if you look at these things called Birkeland currents, you can sort of see them if you really study the, su the, the sun. There are like these wires, but they're invisible. And, they're, they, and, and, and electricity kind of wants to tend to travel in these wire type patterns. So if you think about the electric universe as the center of the sun, I mean, sorry, the center of the universe emitting an electric current that's you know, collected by the sun, which is a step-down converter of the charge, then we sit, our Earth sits in a field, which then acts as a step-down you know, transformer or uh, converter of the, uh, and then we stand on the earth and they talk about how you want to ground yourself, you know, put your, you know, walk barefoot on the, on the sand and you'll yeah. be grounded. Well, because our bodies have an electric field, you know, so, which is a step down converter for our cells, which completely depend on electric charge, you know, they move a positive calcium ion across the membrane in order to, you know, make the, you know, the, the cell react the way you want. Like it uses, you know, uh, electric charge and dispar dis disparity in electric charges across membranes in order to function. So you see electricity is working all the way through from the cell to the human, to the earth, to the sun, to the galaxy. And that theory makes me feel like I'm a part of everything that I'm not lost in some sort of mud ball spinning out in space, you know, that somehow I'm connected in a way that is instantaneous and that I'm not light years away and that, you know, faster than the speed of light is the speed of imagination. You know, and there's, in the electric universe, they, they account for that. They say there is an instantaneous, you know, um, communication that's possible if you're in a plasma field 
And so like when you put one drop in the ocean, the entire ocean knows that there's another drop there in a way. Like you you know, everybody simultaneously is affected. And, and similarly when you affect one ion in a plasma field, all the ions simultaneously know and, and it's proved in this thing, Bell's non locality theorem. But I, I think what I'm getting to add is like mushrooms and psychedelics are wonderful ways of using this natural um, uh, skyscape of, of, of electricity to go cruising on. You know, and I, and I've had the pleasure of being able to do that. And, um, you know, I think that there was a huge audience for people who would like to stand on the edge of a beach with the right amount of mushrooms and just start casting their minds into the 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 stars and the depth of the stars that they see like you know mushrooms are potentially and this is where I'm a Terrence McKenna man like I don't know if, right I don't know if you guys know who Terrence is but of I of course am, I like, know who Terrence McKenna well, yeah, is yeah I'm a I'm a disciple of Terrence like really like I you know Terrence McKenna and Jack Herrera those yeah. are, those are the two guys who really like and Chris Conrad you know when I say Jack Herrera I really mean Chris Conrad as well like so but those two guys they, those guys uh, the so much. So I listened to so many Terrence tapes, you know, and I really, you know, it, at the time it was Palo Alto and he would, you know, he would, it, these were rare to have, like you couldn't get them. It was, you know, it was like the you know, late 1980s, you know, early, you know, and, and it was like really um, mind bending stuff. But he really expressed to me the idea that mushrooms are galactic traveling species, you know, acting like as a von Neumann machine, you know, multiplying themselves once they find a suitable place and then, you know their their spores can percolate up into the atmosphere and then travel in deep space and if you you know eat a mushroom that's part of a family of mushrooms that's already you know traversed space you could potentially communicate through a bridge of consciousness like what what are mushrooms you know that's like, interesting theory you know anyone that's done mushrooms and experienced that togetherness right everybody knows that feeling you're talking about right yeah, now yeah and and, and I th terrence made it very clear that mushrooms are galactic species you know like we can ride on the back of this galactic species if we just thought about it properly and that, that i guess that's what i'm hoping to do is i'm hoping to maybe clean up some of society's thinking about what we could do with things that we now just throw away you know, like, you know, even like, you know, certainly cannabis, you know, that, right. like that is the, you know, really, I mean, it's going to sound audacious to say, but I really believe, you know, very soon we're going to end war and poverty. You know, that's the goal. I think that's is a legitimately solid, sound goal to go for. And I can see very clearly how that's possible. You know, the, uh, the, the treasure trove that cannabis offers to people is so impacting and so changing, game-changing, that they got to come up with every possible reason in the world to not let us have it. You know, like, like this, this whole idea of CBD being illegal. Yeah. Like, clearly they're showing themselves as corrupt. For what reason? The, the, look at the World Health Organization. It clearly states there are no concerns for uh, conversion to illicit drugs, uh, addiction, toxicity. Like there's, there's, it's a clean bill of health. But why? Because, you know, obviously, to keep everybody else at bay, all the big businesses are not going to be able to make their moves now, so that 
their little crony team can go in and pick up all the big pieces. So they're freezing everybody because it's not going to stop, you know, anybody legitimately from, you know, they're not going to go, you know, who's going to arrest a store owner for selling CBD to grandma? I dare the cop to show his face for to stop an old woman from getting, you know, alleviating her pain from a non-toxic medication like CBD. You know, that is shameful that they would even attempt to keep, to, to even make the natural, as Jack Herrera says, making the natural illegal. Like, come on. Like, you have to be one arrogant son of a bitch to make the natural illegal. And that's what we got. We got arrogant son of a bitches running the show. <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't fall for Trudeau's good looks. You know, he's, he's, he wants to enslave us all. His hair is good, though. Well, it's, if we demand little, we, that's what we get. So what stops the 1% from just stealing the business model and rolling with hemp themselves? And like, why keep it down? Us. We stop them. What do you mean? Okay, in 1980, okay, in 1972, Canada didn't have a debt. Um, and then Pierre Trudeau shows up heralded by all the newspapers and radio stations and television stations, everything, which happened to be owned by the same people who funded his campaign. Okay. So, and then in 1975, we hear about this debt that we owe Canada was a debt. You know, then we're thinking, oh, what debt, what debt, what, why don't we just print up more money and pay off the debt? But, you know, no, the debt that, and all the radio stations and television stations and newspapers told us that the debt was real. It's real. It's a real debt. We got to pay it because, you know, we borrowed it from the banks. Our own banks, we borrowed it from them. They're, they're funding our growth in this country. So in the 1980, Brian Mulroney comes around, and we continue just borrowing more money, more debt, more debt. And then the, the collective worth in 1980, you've got to be around as long as I have, a billion dollars was like the next level. You know, there was no T, there was no, right. there was B, right? Yeah. And the banks, so. the banks were worth, all five charter banks were worth $4 billion, billion with a B, Dollars, but in the next thirty years, they proceeded to lend one point four trillion dollars to the federal government. Where did they get the money? Is there an answer? Yeah, I, I don't there know. is. I don't there know is because they got it. <laughs> well, the answer, and, that's, and this is like nobody knows this, and this should be the fund, most fundamental truth. And I'm really going really, to. What I'm hoping to do is just let everybody know the trick. This is the secret to their power. The secret to their power is that um, they get it from us. Every time you want their money, the love of, <laughs> it was full of the dollar because it's always good, but it's the love of this, not this, but the love of this, and it's, it's this brand, this particular brand. These people, are, they're called the Council of Foreign Relations. <laughs> you know, I'm getting in trouble here. So, and they basically <laughs> run the show. Right? They have all the money and they have all the guns. They, they, uh, they, they run the, the, the whole Basel Accord, the G20, the, you know, the big, big money. When you talk about banking rules, fractional reserve banking, uh, that's what they do. Is they don't, when you go to the bank and you ask for a mortgage for $300,000 to buy my house or whatever, you, you, and then you, you get approved because they think that you actually are going to be able to pay that back. They don't give you $300,000. They give you a receipt, they give you a little right. piece of paper, right? They just make it up out of thin air. And you, with your promise to pay, make it real. 
Every day you show up, you push a little bit more, and you make another product, you push that out, and you contribute to the gross domestic product of the economy. And you, with your debt, pay back not $300,000, but over the course of 30 years, you'll pay back $900,000. You'll pay for three houses for the privilege of living in one. And that money that you pay back to them now is very, very real because you, with your sweat equity, you know, made it a real thing. Of all the things that could happen, not everything happens. Some, only some, undergo the formality of occurring. Now that's a Terence quote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So of all the of all the things that could happen, some undergo the formality of occurring. And you know, so you, with your sweat effort, chose to make that baseball cap so your boss could enjoy another yacht thing. You know, like that's that's kind of how it works. You're choosing to use your time here on Earth to potentiate, to bring things out of potential into consensus, right? So right. that's what we're really doing here. So now the idea is that you should be able to not use your time for that, but use your time for more creative venture. Now, and then this is where, are we good as a species? Or, you know, if we were given, you know, I believe we're more like dolphins than we are like mon monkeys, you know, that... Um, In what sense? Well... Elaine Morgan would be a great anthropologist to listen to in TED Talks, if anybody, anybody can reference her. Um, uh, but um, we have a lot more more in common with dolphins than we do with monkeys. But, Socially? Yeah. 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 And, and uh, you know, all of the, even even some of the physical attributes, like the fact that we don't have, you know, really hairy bodies, like, you know, so there's, but, uh, but what do dolphins do all day long? They, 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 um, they play and they, they have sex. And I think that's a really good goal for humanity. You know, that's what we I should be doing. That. So we should be doing yeah. all the time. So it, we don't have to really struggle for our survival. It's only this system of this brand of money. We love this brand of money, and every time we ask for it to come, they make it into existence. That's where they got the, the 1.4 trillion dollars from. We went and borrowed money into existence and paid for it with our. So they tethered the money to our debt. What I'm saying is that the hemp, you know, because I started the whole hemp thing back in 1992 in, in Canada, and now, and as it turns out, Canada has started the hemp thing in China. You know, I was just over there, and I just talked to the, the these, these so? official. Well, I was just I was just in China. I was speaking with these. Um, people that I'm doing some business with, and they explained to me how they started and you know, found out about hemp, and they were in school, and they were part of the higher uh, elite within China, and they said that you know they're after being in school, they wanted to um, work with hemp. They thought that hemp was the real good way for the uh, you know the government to really you know give back in a very clean and very pollution way, and they they said that they were inspired. And they, they chose that because of what Canada was doing. That's me. Right? So I, I turned the Canadian government on to, you know, all, I solved the answer. I solved the, but that's what the Canada's hemp stories, you know, is all about. There's just to sort of like let people know exactly that it wasn't the government that gave this to them. You know, we, and Mark Chenier and you know, Paul Gebhardt, and like, well, you know, Ross Haas, everybody, all these people that are in the Canada's hemp story, they fought hard against this zombie that is our current system of governance. You know, it is not an intellectual system that is governing us right now. It is a system that is sucking all of us in the most disgusting way. And people are just so 
resilient and tolerant. They just put up with it because they just don't know what else to do. But I can tell them what else to do. So when you talk about how you brought hemp to Canada, like you had, you went through quite a lot with the egg board. Like what was that like? The egg board was never a part of anything. You know, the Manitoba agriculture, Harry okay. Anz, Harry Anz was the one who was the first real person of repute to put his reputation on the line. You know, the first real legitimate, you know, conservative politician who said, you know what, I don't care what they say about this. I, you know, this is good for our farmers. You know, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stand by this Martin guy. You know, especially once I showed him the loophole in the law. You know, and it made him, you know, he's just like, whoa, whoa, okay. And then, you know, he's quoted on. You know, if you check out the website, there's like some audio of him talking about how it was me. Was I, so, what year is this? Um, well, I I brought it to his attention in 1995. The loophole. I brought it to his attention with the Manitoba Hemp Alliance in 1994, but in 1995, I found the loophole with Mark Shaney and brought that to his attention. Once we showed him the loophole, and then he he, he was like, "Oh, I'll full, full gung ho," and he gave me like $24,750. And I went and brought in a whole bunch of seeds from Poland and Hungary and Ukraine, and then the Ukrainian seeds were like completely off the charts, zero in THC, which was like everybody's like wild. Oh my God, THC, THC, because they thought it was everybody was going to lose their mind, and the, and these Ukrainian seeds had like zero, zero, zero off, no undetectable amounts. So it they had no no excuse to stop it, and because we had this zero THC seed. I got to make the speech at Health Canada or this, you know, a, yeah, a speech or whatever to say because they didn't want to let seed be. Was that the loophole you're talking about? No, the loophole I'm talking about is the United Nations Single Convention Treaty of 1961. It's it's on the website. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were in, um, you know, sort of a. Uh, we had talked to Harry Ends. He said the. Um, reason we can't grow, you got to talk to the Bureau of Dangerous Drugs. It's always, it was always leads up to them. And so we tried to communicate with them. But very shortly after that, Mark Chenier, who was working in the, the Saskatchewan farmers, and I was kind of working the Manitoba farmers, he uh, got a phone call from a, a Saskatchewan bureaucrat named Paul, Paul Gebhardt, who was fielding all these questions from Saskatchewan farmers. I want to grow hemp. I want to grow hemp, which is, you know, yeah. Mark prodding them. So so Paul called Mark and said, okay, you know what? I'm flying Ross Hosey, Hossey. <laughs> I never always get his name right. I, don't really want to, I don't, still to this day don't know how it's pronounced. But <laughs> because I always say you know, Ross Hossey, you know, you'd think yeah. it would sort of rhyme. But he does, But I remember he doesn't like the rhyming. But then, but then I say he's a Ross Hosey. It's like... That doesn't sound right either, you know. Yeah, so I, I take the rhyme, I think. Yeah, I take the rhyming thing too, but he, I, he doesn't, he doesn't like the rhyme. So anyway, so we hear that he's actually going to come out to Regina and speak directly to the farmers because Paul Gebhardt, the local bureaucrat representing Ag Canada, can't give them a good answer. So he needs the man himself to come down and talk to these guys. And so we hear about this. Mark you know, wakes me up early in the morning. We drive. You know, uh, probably at five in the morning. I say seven in the, in the video, but it's like five in the morning it, they, to get there to the meeting. And there's all these farmers, and it's all a bustle. And there's a few, you know, hempsters, um, uh, and they were really, you know, as educated as Mark and I were. And it was really encouraging to see that there was just all these other other things. 
uh, that were, you know, uh, all these other people that, that were also like foundationally being spurred on by Jack's book, you know, and it's sort of like the truth was out in a, in, a, in, a, in a context that we could actually see what was being perpetrated on us. So then, you know, uh, we were, you know, kind of getting a little bit uh, restless as we were talking to the Saskatchewan bureaucrats. And then finally Ross comes in. Hosey comes in and, and he like this little guy stands up at the podium just with this aura of Ottawa, you know, aura of, you know, Fed, you know, just really yeah. very different kind of decorum. You know, he's he's obviously dealt with rooms full of people, you know, and, and he's he just loves, you know, probably, you know, bringing the boom down. So he just sort of stood up there and just said, well, hate to blow your bubble, but... Uh, we're a signatory to the United Nations Single Convention Treaty in 1961, and he opens up the book and starts reading. Any calls, any party that is, you know, uh, wants to grow cannabis for cannabis resin, um, uh, uh, they are uh, subject to the regulations regarding opium poppy in Section 23, Article 23. So then he goes back to Article 23, couple pages, and starts reading all the regulations around opium poppy. And by that time, everyone's just like not interested at all. We were just like, whoa, United Nations, oh my gosh, what, a, what, you know, that's just, and all the farm, that's way past when he went to farmers. So like, no, this will never happen. No, no, United Nations, nothing, you know. And so, but then, you know, we're like sitting thinking, oh my gosh, like, okay, well, you know, on the way back, we just, we, you know what, if we're not, you know, let's, if we're not going to do this, then we, we, there's no need for our group. You know, obviously, if we if we're going to stop here, saying that you know, if the United Nations is enough to stop us, but we thought, you know, it's not. Let's let's have a look. You know, so uh, we, you know, Sean Cornish, one of the guys from Saskatchewan, uh, sent a fax, not an email, it was a fax, and we got a fax back from Catherine Volts from the. Uh, um, United Nations in Vienna, and she said, "Yeah, we'll we'll mail you a, a booklet, you know, so you can see for your own self, you know." And uh, they mailed the booklet, and the booklet came back, and it was uh, Article Twenty Eight, Control of Cannabis, and Section One did say, uh, you know, control of opium poppy if you want to go for resin, but right there, Section Two was, this convention shall not apply for hemp for industrial purposes, fiber and seed, so. He could have very easily read the line right underneath it and told all the farmers, hey, you can grow it. But he chose not to. As long as it's for fiber and seed. Yeah, which is what we were asking for. Right. That's totally what we were asking for. So he, you know, I don't know what sort of, you know, priority he set, like who was more important to serve, whether it was to serve his bosses and the status quo or whether it was to, you know, serve the people. But at that point, I really was convinced that he was serving the status quo. And it wasn't really, it, although he did like hint to us, I think his conscience got to him, you know, because after the meeting, he kind of hinted to Mark and I, you know, you keep looking, keep looking. You know, he didn't tell us, but he... He felt like I can't really let my conscience feel like I'm going to deceive these guys completely. Like it just, you know, because he would look like a schmuck if I didn't say that he gave us a little bit of a clue. So that is the kind of the way that it was um, deciphered, you know, for the authorities to allow us under the regulations to do things, you know, and 
which is something I was talking to. Um, I don't know who it was about, maybe Dan, but like how, you know, the whole thing about, you know, CBD and some of the incredible things it can do for people's health. And people, the first thing they ask about is, is it legal? Right. You know, and I think the first thing I would ask is, is it real? Does it work? Yeah. Like, like who cares if it's legal or not legal? Like what authority, what business does some cop have on how I feel about myself? That has nothing to do with them. It's completely outside of their area of authority. And for, for police to be, even any drug, any drug, it's not for police, maybe for doctors, but certainly not for police. Like, and they use this as an excuse to steal from people and from, you know, how many, you know, how much contraband is seized and how much is reported and how much like corruption goes on in those circles. Like, it, you know, all we've done is create a little area of deep, deep seated corruption that can sit and plot on how to exploit us more. You know, it's time to shut them down. <laughs> you know, and the way we do that is we stop asking for their money. But what do we do, Martin, you ask? <laughs> Read my mind. Yeah. So I'm not there yet, but it's coming. And I really believe that, you know, I'm giving myself till next September to get it in place. But it's a, uh, 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 an alternative to the death war money. Uh, it's going to be life and prosperity money. And it's going to be backed by uh, the hemp industry. You know, anything that... Uh, is made by a company that's contributing or a farmer that's growing hemp. You know, when as they're contributing hemp to the gross domestic economy, gross domestic product of the economy, they will give us their results of their production, and we will then take those results and issue one CBD coin, in the case of CBD, for every gram of CBD that they make. And so then we will, as the makers of the CBD coin, uh, now have this and be able to uh, invest it into any industry or any company that has the potential of delivering, uh, you know, a, a, a hemp industry or the, is a part of the hemp dream for us as we want to start filling the landscape with all these hemp-made materials and, you know, get tired and sick and tired of hemp because we have so much of it. So that's the, the, the idea is to create liquidity. And, um, you know, and now that we know how, you know, fractional reserve banking works also, I, I, uh, I have a strategy with someone that I know that has a charter, uh, a bank charter, and we will be able to start actually taking your desire for money. You know, you could come to us and give us the ability to make money out of thin air, right, with your debt. So it would be the exact same deal you're doing with the war debt people, but now you could have an option to actually do it with the life prosperity people, which is going to be backed by him. And on all the coin that we would give to you is actually backed by some actual commodity that's been brought into existence through the hemp industry that we have consolidated into this, this program. And I believe that all commodities in the future will end up operating this way, like steel coin or like, you know, flax coin. Like that. I, it, it, there's 1,500, you know, cryptos on the marketplace right now and they don't do anything. They're all the same. Yeah. You know, like every single one of them. But what if there was like 1,500 coins up there that were actually 
you know, that coin represents that gram of CBD that was produced on this date. You know, we could, it, it can get that detailed if people want it. But essentially, it gives us the ability to make credit, and which, is, which has a perceived value in the mind of the consumer because I can get... You know, I can I can get the crypto and I can get it listed. I, that's that I'm not going to name names right now, but I have people that already are onto this idea. And I just you know the idea is really just to set people free. We don't need to be in debt. We don't need to feel all depressed because we can't pay our, our student loans. And like, how many people are sick and tired of this feeling? You know, one or two for sure. Yeah. yeah, am I right? Like who? Yeah, no, like absolutely. who asked for this? Our parents got conned. You know, we can't blame them. They're not that smart. Like, we're smarter. Where does money come from? It comes from us. If you're going to borrow from the debt and money people, you're going to get, you know, debt, sorry, debt and war people, you're going to get debt and war. You kind of borrow from the life and prosperity people, and that's what I'm going to offer. You know, that's my, that's my final, final thing. I'm not going to, I'm not making any more products. I've done, you know, I made the hemp hearts. I made the, I made, I made the, you know, the emperor's clothing the bag. I, you know, I've been making hemp everything, but the, the, what I want to do is I want to make hemp freedom. You know, I really want people to understand that they no longer need to be indebted to the system. And the people who go to war, you know, if you sign up for war as a, as a military enlistee, like, you know, you're not to be honored, you're to be pitied. You know, too bad you weren't able to find a better life other than, you know, sacrificing yours for killing somebody else. And, and the people who profit off of war and the generals, they have to be shamed. You know, shame on them for not finding a better way than killing women and children. Like, that's shameful. War is shameful. 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 And any, and there were four soldiers in Portage of Prairie at the, at the Portage base, and this story never came out in, in, like, early 2000s that committed suicide as a statement against the Iraq war because they would not do it in Bosnia. Because, and, that, and the military covered that up. You know, I only know about it because I, I've... Reach, you know, like I know, you know, uh, but um, it's true. They, you know, so four soldiers killed themselves in vain in Portage of the Prairie, Portage of Prairie, in like early two thousands, and the military just covered that because they couldn't let that story get out. You know, so those guys they did that, thinking for sure, for sure, we're getting the story will get out, and the military covered it up. Nobody knows about it. And this is this is who we empower. That's where the money goes. This is we get more traffic light, uh, more more photo radar, more tax collectors, more shows about how much money we owe. You know, more shows about the mythological powers of cops. You know, like it's just or the mythological powers of the money people. The you know all the Wall Street bankers. They they're the ones we got all the money and all the rappers. You know, we're gonna make it rain, make it rain, make it rain. Like it's ugly. <laughs> it's ugly money. It's death money. This is ugly stuff. And I'm you know I use it, but I'm not gonna you know cherish it. You know. It, I, or I want it, it, right? Yeah, I yeah. want it. I want it out of my hands as fast as it's in my hands because I want to put it into. I, I want good things, you know. And I want to trade this bad, ugly war thing for good things. Like once I start making CBD coin, I'll be collecting that up. Like whatever, you know. Um, right. Because that's life and prosperity. No more, no more debt. Like if people are really gung ho on going into debt and want to, you know, use their, you know, uh, finance something through through their own debt indebtedness. We can open up a wing for that, and that's one of the things I would, you know, I would pitch to the board of directors of CBD Coin. You know, and I, I this this company still just exists in my head. Like I haven't really put it together. I still need all the technology put together. But I, I have, 
this is the answer. This is how we get out of it. We don't. We you believe in the idea? Well, it's it's a, it's the Council of Foreign Relations. Look them up. You know that's who runs the show. You the what? The Council on Foreign Relations. Right. Check out their check out their website, and you know they would kill me if they knew you know <laughs> you know what I was planning, but they don't. <laughs> Hopefully they won't listen to the podcast. Yeah, he was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> How are your beers doing, guys? Oh, well, I'm going to suck this one back. All right, I'll go to get another round. So that's like the crux of it in terms of like um, the end times. <laughs> but there's a lot of fun stuff in between the uh, how, how it all ends up. How, how we get free is going to be the real story. Like there's a whole like the best stuff is this best storytelling is still Thank just you. around the corner. Thank you. I think. Still coming up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like because we're taking on war and poverty. Right? That's what hemp can do. Oh so you mean in the future, not like no, right like, now this evening. No, like, okay. like next September, like we start. Right. right. I'll have I I'm hopefully gonna have all the software and all the programming bugs worked out and the all my people on board and I have my funding together and it's gonna be a GoFundMe. Yeah, I, I don't want. I don't want like rich people have no. They're not gonna benefit from what I'm planning. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like it's this is for the poor. This is for everybody who's begging. You know, this is like like a rich rich person. Like I remember I told this this idea to this uh, the new landlord that we're gonna move into. Uh, and set up an office there. And he's like, I know the guy who owns Alibaba. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought like. He's probably the last person to tell. Yeah, who wants to see this happen? He, right? Yeah, he has the most to lose because right now this inequality is to his benefit more than anybody else's. But I'm talking about kind of an equality, like just a way of people just waking up to a way that, hey, oh, this is how they're doing it over there. Let's do it this way here. But we'll put our own spin on it. And we could have like a million different little countries that we all just drive into and drive out where people do things differently and different. we try living different ways. And we don't all have to have an Arby's and a Burger King and a, you know, like, like it's getting better now. But like when I was growing up, gosh, every town you drove into was the exact yeah. same. And, they like, and everybody wanted to wear the Beaver Canoe shirts or the, you know, the Roots shirts. Like it was like, there was a real, as you say, a homogenization. And I think that, you know, we even now with businesses like all consolidating to like one big, you know, all of the auto shops are going to be owned by one boys, you know, all of the media is going to be owned by five media, like all of the, you know, and I, I think that we've had, you know, our, our run with that. We tried it and if we realized it doesn't really suit us, just like, you know, if all the beer we drank was you know, three or four different beer companies but now we see like microbreweries all over the place because right. we have different tastes and we have different interests and we have different inspirations now we just need the time to express them we should all be artists we should all be you know appreciated and listened to watch the depression go away give us cbd and give us economy i guarantee you we will improve the depression scenario here and Where's all the money going to come from for the pharmaceutical stocks? Right. My retirement is wrapped up in those. <laughs> so, you know, and this is where, you know, people continually do things that undermine their best interests. Yeah. yeah. What was it like getting hamparts off the ground? 
Um, well, it was the gravity table was the real piece. You know, that was the piece of equipment that made it possible. Um, the, and, and also, um, we originally used... What's a gravity table? Uh, it's uh, an ingenious piece of equipment that they use to separate things based on density. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it involves uh, a kicking action from a table that's with a screen table that has air blowing up from underneath it, and it kicks into a certain direction. So everything that's heavy will hit, will feel the impact of the kicking, but everything that's light will not. So everything that's light will just flow down the table. Meanwhile, everything that's heavy will get kicked to the side. And so the light and the heavies are able to be separated. And that's what, once you take a hemp seed and you run it through a huller, like uh, um, we tried several different types of oat hullers and different things, and we you know, finally settled on this design out of Minnesota, and its name escapes me at the moment. But you know, it was able to um, provide us with enough uh, breaking capacity, but not because the heart is soft in the middle and it's the shell is hard on the outside. You need to break the shell, but then let it let it go. You can't like just keep you know keep applying attrition to it because you know our dehullers would plug up so fast at first. You know because we weren't using the right thing. We didn't realize that you needed to have these big openings, and it was just about hitting it once and then letting it drop. You know we and so. It was, it was hard. A lot of trial and error. You know, yeah. like, you know, that's the thing is like, because what happened before Manitoba Harvest, you know, I was, I was starting it from a negative position. I, I, you know, this company that was on the stock market that I had invested all my friends and family's money into, you know, and then lost it because this woman frauded me legitimately. Um, Can we talk about that? Like, yeah. Yeah. She's in jail right now, still. Over the incident? Not over or, that incident, but okay. for a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, she, in 1996, you know, because I did this presentation to the world through this hemp symposium. It's on the website, all the interviews, all the people's presentations. So like, yeah. um, really interesting stuff. But, uh, you know, Manitoba, i uh, sorry, um, Cargill came, uh, Nicole Charest came from, uh, you know, there's these, these big politicians, a few big politicians showed up and uh, we did this presentation and then after that it all just dwindled away and then the summer after that I get a phone call from Susan Brana or Alt, she, she says, I'm a banker from California and I re heard about your symposium and I want to make a company, put it on the stock market and raise a lot of money and build this thing. What do you think? I said that's fantastic. This is that's, I was just this is like the dream phone call. This is the most right. amazing thing. And so everything continued to progress down that line. You know, like she was obviously impressed with the level of you know uh, uh, information and, and success that we've had to that point. And we ended up getting on the stock market, the over-the-counter bulletin board of the Nasdaq. And the dream was to try to get onto the Nasdaq. And and it really she started doing things that were against my well against the business plan. You know, and and really I I started seeing that she wasn't really trying to make the hemp succeed. She was more interested in the market and the reactions from the market. So in this backdrop, I already saw that we were going to, they planted a whole bunch of hemp seed, uh, like 12,000 acres of hemp seed for the very first year, and they didn't have a market for any of it. And so I was already starting to like... Where were those for, crops? Pardon me? Those are up here, the 12,000 acres? That was in Manitoba in 1998. 
Okay, right on. Yeah, well, no. No, <laughs> no they should have grown like 1,000 acres, right? right? And then we could have you know, built it properly slowly. It was like, I don't know why it had to be 12,000 acres. But for her, she was, I realized she was trying to create this hype so that this massive, you know, acreage is going in, and the stock is going to go up to five bucks or six bucks, and she's going to sell off, you know, and do this this pump and dump thing, which is completely illegal. And she's so stupid because, and obviously she's been doing illegal things because she's in jail now. But I, you know, I didn't understand anything about the stock market. I'm just like this science kid who, you know, was you know all in for human rights and had a hot girlfriend, and you know, like it was how, just the, how old are you at this point? Um. This was like uh, 90, I'm probably 31. Okay. Yeah, 31 at this point, and I've got a couple of kids. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, so it, it turns into um, this publicly traded company that I get everybody excited about, and we are the toast of the town and all these newspaper articles, hemp industry gets a break. I got so many newspaper articles of me standing there with all this hemp stuff. Me and Ross were bigly at in the same, you know, the news oh, no uh, article, you know, like I'm just like, you know, uh, and then uh, um, the, uh, she misplants. We go forward with, uh, I'm trying to find buyers for the seed. And I start conceiving of a company with my friend Alex uh, to because we were started the, we were the Emperor's Clothing Company that brought the hemp in in the first place a long right. time ago, so we thought well we should talk to his folks about getting a press and you know getting all that stuff together because we know that we could make this company it would just be a sister company to CGP, and then at that point we met you know one of the investors that in CGP that put money in was Mike Fata. And he, you know, sort of came to Alex and I said, yeah, I want to be involved with all this stuff. And so we said, well, sure, Mike, you know, that's good. And you know, once CGP went crashing down, Mike, Alex, and I were left with all of the seed that was out there that CGP didn't pay for. Right. And so we tried to try to figure out what are we going to do with all the seed. We didn't have any money to pay them. So we asked them for seed capital, you know, quote unquote, right? Literal seed capital. And, you know, the government in their awesomeness, you know, if, the, if they invested if they gave us fifteen thousand dollars of seed they had to pay tax on that fifteen thousand dollars as if it were revenue so not only did they not get paid from cgp if they wanted to invest that seed into us they had to pay tax on the value of that investment so it was a hard sell, you know. It was a real and and but we got like fifteen guys that that uh, that uh, that gave us like fifteen thousand dollars. You know, we had like a quarter million dollars worth of seed to play with, right? And that didn't last long. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it was uh, yeah. And I think I tell the story in the, on the website, but like you know, within you know, we in the first six months we did twelve thousand dollars in sales and did a hundred thousand dollars in expenses. You know, so it's like. You know, and, yeah. you know, but then the next six months, you know, next year, you know, we, we did $60,000 in sales. And then the year after that, we did $180,000 in sales. And, you know, even though we were still like bleeding money like crazy, you know, our, you know, we had our, we had some good business mentors, you know, and I would say uh, Alex's uncle, Sam, really like stood in the gap for a lot of times for us and, and uh, made it happen in terms of 
making sure our creditors got paid, yeah. you know, with another $25,000, you know, loan or investment or whatever, you know, so at the end, Sam probably made up the best of everybody. You know, he did very, very well off the deal, but uh, his, you know, he deserved to because he, he really stood in there and, and believed in us and, and taught us, you know, uh, I learned my business uh, not in school. I learned it you know, right on the right. street. Yeah, like, you know, the hard way. Lots and lots and lots of mistakes. So, How long did it take you to become profitable? Manitoba Harvest? Yeah. Is it profitable still? I don't know. So it's like, like you know, it's, there's, it's, it's the, thing, the funny thing about a company is that you never really want to become profitable because you... You've got to pay taxes. Well, yeah, and you, <laughs> and you still, like for this, there's still always growth. Right. There's always more that you can do, you know, like they're like if Manitoba Harvest, you know, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was a weird situation there, Manitoba Harvest. And I'm not going to get into anything because I don't want to say stuff, but um, I don't I don't have a relationship with Manitoba Harvest at all. And, you know, they could be doing some really funky, cool stuff if I were there. But, you know, I started it and I did the whole thing, but I, I'm not a I don't fight for truth. I just speak it. You know, if somebody else wants to sort of think that they <laughs> did something they didn't do, whatever, it's, it's fine. You know, that, that that's cool. I just, I'm not really uh, I'm there to, you know, uh, lay claim or lay, I, my identity is not with a hemp food company. You know, my, my identity is with like peace and prosperity. That's what, that's what I want, you know, to be, you know, you know, it's just, I. Your lasting legacy? Well, I just, you know, I got these kids and I'm just like, what, what better goal you know what? What product should I work for? You know, should I like, you know, try to collect canopy stock for my portfolio? Is that is that what's so admirable? Like, it, it, I don't. You know, no, my like, mom's doing that. <laughs> you know, like I understand the games. Playing the game is fun, but you know, when you go to sleep and your brain, you know, you know, and your mind goes wonder when you dream, you know, what is that? Where are you? Yeah. Are you alive? Are you your body? Like everything that you really value is not your body. It's not your career. It's not your possessions. It's it's what you like. It's what you think is attractive. You know, it's who you think is like what music sounds good. But none of those are physical characteristics. You know, all the things that really are valuable about you are the non-physical or the spiritual characteristics. And, that, you know, I think people have wrapped up Christian simplicity, you know, of how they portray some of these incredible truths and, and they make people, they turn people off um, and, and people don't, you know, they don't uh, consider really valuable insight in order to explain some of the things that are going on. You know, like it's like they, they'll fall back on Disney and Disney is always like there's an evil character and a good character and I, I've never been in a situation where I would say someone is evil and someone is good. Like everyone has evil traits and everyone has good traits, but there's no like clearly evil person that I could ever point to. I see no, them in, t- in I TV. Agree. I see them in, in, in movies, but I don't see them. in. Re- so if that's what we see in our fantasy, maybe that's what we tend to try to cast onto people. You know, like maybe, you know, we, we have to see them as good or as evil, but we, we but I, I suggest that maybe we come up with innovative ways of seeing people that, aren't so polarizing you know and so yeah. you know and that, and and those, that's what the kid shows are all about right the kid shows they teach you early good and evil good and evil good and evil and 
it just seems so um, uh, limited, you know, just, uh, you know. Yeah, no, that's a very simplified, and you definitely like to think all people have basic goodness, right? And they do. We do, you know, I and, that. And, yeah. and I think that what's we that's what we need to do is we need to encourage each other. We don't need to criticize each other. And as a species, we just need to grow up. You know, we just can't have. You know, I think that war should be settled with battle bots. You know, they, the, the the country that can make the best robot within these constraints shows us that they're the most intelligent, and we should respect them. So they get to make the rules. In the case of in the case of a of a proxy where we can't figure out exactly how to decide this thing, we'll settle it by battle bots. And so nobody has to die. You don't have to send your children to war. Like, could you imagine sending your child to war? I couldn't. No. Like, holy fuck! What is wrong with people? Sorry for the swear there, but no. that's just like off the hook like gullible like you're 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 so gullible that you're you're guilty you know like you can't send your child to war that's wrong you can't send your child to go kill someone and then thank them for their service because they come back scarred and i i had a friend who was in the military and he ended up going to bosnia he told the story of how he went over the hill and, uh, you know, all of a sudden he looked over and he saw this young kid, like his age, and they, but he was wearing the other uniform, the uniform he didn't recognize. He's like, he realized, and the other kid realized they were, they were supposed to kill each other. And so Edward fired first. And when he told me the story, he said he, that, that boy has, he visits him every night before he goes to bed. Like, I believe if you kill someone, you're tied to them for eternity. You know? Yeah, you never forget that. Yeah, you're tied to anybody that you do. Anybody, like, you know, I think back on some of the things that, you know, I, the people that I've hurt, and I, you know, it doesn't feel good. You know, and I, that, they weren't hardly hurts, you know. Like, I, you know, there, some people have killed other people. Like, like, that's, like, just, you know, haunted for eternity. You know, you are not. And, and these older people make their children go and do that? That's not a parent. A parent's supposed to recognize what's special in a child and encourage that and tell the child, you know, hey, you're good at this, even though you don't know, but because you just don't know any better, you're sort of ignorant to your own, you know, genius. But the parent is supposed to pick, you know, pick that out for the child and, and recognize that for them. But instead, they don't pay attention oftentimes. Well... There's a good time for that joint, I think, mm. probably now. You smoke those out or you smoke it here? We can smoke right here. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We'll make it, we'll make it a special exception. Nice, nice. Uh, I'll grab one, yeah. Whoa, <laughs> close call. Look at you, you're stoned. So, um, nice. Dan is has been um, a pleasant. Are you sure you're not gonna hop on the mic here, Dan? Say a couple words, you know. A pleasant surprise. <laughs> I, I really, uh, I really believe in his generation, and uh, my daughter and my son are, you know, of his. Like, I have eight children. My oldest children are, right. you know, his age, and. Uh, well, he's one of the good ones. He is. He is good. <laughs> as far as that generation goes, I'd say. You know, and I really, 
I, I kind of have a, an affinity towards the EDM. Yeah, me too, man. I think that totally. they, they are going to these events looking for something. And I think that what they're looking for is meaning. Yeah, I think right? uh, I think that the, that feeling, the ideology that's wrapped into that music, I think that's really important, and like that, the world yeah. could go a long way with that. And and I think that this is a way um, to give people meaning. Like cannabis has so much opportunity, and not just like from the smoking part of it. Like the smoking part of it will help you guide yourself to what it is you're you're calling. If you know, if you're artistic, there's obviously canvas comes from the word cannabis right because all of the painting canvases were hemp in the old days back in the day yeah, yeah. and uh you you know if you are whatever you're inclined to and even today there are space age materials that hemp can make that you know no other you know maybe like some rare you know metals in the ground can produce but hemp is like it is the future it is the it is space age it is it is it, it is a challenge that will reward us if we could just you know pick it up i saw on your website it said hemp can make anything that is not glass or steel yeah i, I take that back yeah and it can make anything that isn't glass okay <clears throat> it can replicate but, steel though with graphene yeah, there's a lot of the properties of steel. It can actually, you can make this material called graphene, okay. which is like $2,000 an ounce or something like that. Like one, you know, a two foot by two foot by two foot cube of it weighs about a pound. Okay. And it is uh, strong. Like you, one thin thread of it is stronger than 10 steel cables wrapped together. Like one molecule uh, thick layer is bulletproof. It's like, it's a, it's a space age material that, uh, conducts electricity absolutely perfectly. A molecule perfectly. thick layer is bulletproof. Try, try that out for your imagination. That's a lot to process. Mm -hmm. And hemp can do it. You, what you this this professor in uh, in the University of Alberta in 2013 or 2012 wrote a paper and put the science forward, and a lot of people have confirmed it ever since. But you need to take a certain part of the fiber, burn it in a, well, you do uh, expose it to pyrolysis. And pyrolysis is the burning in the absence of oxygen under pressure or under vacuum. So you heat it up and it turns into charcoal. But that charcoal com uh, carbon now is of a certain orientation because you know, like it all depends on how the carbon sits. Right, diamonds are like the hardest thing because the carbons are all their bonds. Like, there's all sorts of different ways that carbon can sit, and this particular orientation is, you know, uh, hemp can make a lot of it, very affordable, and I believe that we should be constructing our space station. Is this it? Too much. Yeah, like all the, all the, we our space station right now is like this little crap box, and the, we would we would be celebrating if we if we really could have gone to the moon. We would obviously we would have, but our space station is like this little box. But all of that low orbit stuff could be occupied, like with graphene. If it was built with graphene, you could do it. But if you until you're you know until you have enough graphene to actually start building the space cities. You know, you're, you you we can't, but that's what hemp can do. Hemp can bring us into a whole different place. You know, you just have to, you have to just quit being so biased as to you know what we think our future is, because everybody thinks it's an apocalypse of doom, and I think that we got like this, 
incredible opportunity to just relax and play. You know, like there's so much resource. Like you just open up one of these billionaires' little like treasure troves of chess. Like it'll feed everybody. Like just it's ridiculous. <laughs> there's so much wealth out there. Like people, they talk about overpopulation. <laughs> people, people are just just. They don't think. You don't feel There's like the no, world's overpopulated? Oh, come on. What? You, the Earth can't support 7 billion people? It could support 700 billion people, dude. It's so, got so much... There's so much protein and so much water. It's the distribution. All, if you took every single person in the world and stood them four foot by four foot by four foot, they would fit into a 25 mile square mile ranch in Tennessee. Every single person. They'd still have lots of room left over. There's so much productive capacity it's a mind illusion dude just think about it think about it. do the numbers for yourself stand them all apart like there we could with hemp <laughs> with we don't have to cut any more trees you can grow a house for yourself you got 10 acres of land you can grow yourself a house in two months stay behind your mic sorry oh it's all good i'm getting i get excited no it's, it's yeah. great that you're animated and everything it's just uh you can catch up when you get past it as long as you stay behind it even if you lean back it's not so bad yeah i you know you, like I went out to Dauphin. My my buddy, uh, my buddy Art Rod. He is my buddy Rod Fisher. Fisher seeds Dauphin. Check him out. Uh, they the uh, they planted the seeds. Two months later, like sixty days later, these huge towering plants with like these thick, you know, stalks down at the bottom. And I'm breaking this up. And like, this didn't exist sixty days ago. And in sixty days, something from nothing. You know, like that's magic. That you can take that right there and make a house out of it. A house that is like of the height of luxury. You know, a man can grow himself a house in sixty days. That's the power of hemp. Yeah. <laughs> Am I lying? When you put it like that. But everybody wants you 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 well, that's what that the whole hemp, yeah. If you take hemp herd, the inner spongy, like a hemp plant, I call it the fiber banana, because when you break it up, there is this spongy center hollow core that uh, peels away from the banana peel sort of exterior skin. Okay. So you will peel back the skin and you will have the spongy core thing in the middle. That spongy core, if you take that and you mix it with lime and with water and you put it into a mold and let it set, it petrifies and it creates a fireproof, insect-resistant, breathable, uh, water-resistant, uh, um, uh, thermal-conducting uh, thermal beyond... Right, the the best insulation, not because it itself is better thermally uh, conducting or reduced, but because it's seamless. When you build it, there are no cracks in the walls. You don't put like uh, boards together which have heat sinks in them. So the people, there are about fifty hemp houses that have been built in Quebec right now, and I just went to my first hemp house. I've been in this business for 25 years, never seen the hemp house. Oh, really? So first, my first hemp house was like a month ago, and I was just like, damn, I want a hemp house now. <laughs> and I tell you for sure that Snoop wants a hemp house. And oh, so yeah. I'm going to be reaching out to him right away and tell him, dude, you you and me, just, you know, let's, let's talk. Because yeah. 
I'm get the guy who brought the hemp here, Snoop. So, and he's like, he's just a good guy. I know he is in the end. He can, he can, uh, you know, very soon, very soon. You know, but that's my daughter's. I'd love to that's see my, that. That's my daughter's business, Hemp, hemp Records, Inc. Yeah, that's, the, that, that's coming. Hemp Records? Yeah, the same thing that I'm talking about for the uh, hemp industry to be able to create a piece of money. She's talking about uh, the music industry. The, the music industry should be able to value its contribution to the gross domestic product as well and be able to issue credit accordingly. And which rapper doesn't want to live in a hemp house? <laughs> Strong business model. Hemp, it's hard to like go wrong other than to do too much. The big danger with hemp is that people just get enamored with the breadth of its opportunity and they, instead of doing one thing well, they don't, they don't do anything well. They do a lot of things, but right. none, of it, none of it's to completion. That's, I learned that lesson in Manitoba Harvest was when we found out and decided to focus on hemp hearts. That's when the company became you know, um, profitable. I would say that, that if you asked that question earlier, and I would say in my mind, it was the decision to become a hemp heart company. Not, you know, it, it really is about focus, focus, focus. And you can't get there until you're well down the line. You need, you need, to, you need to get to year five and six. You know, you don't, they don't call you Keystone until 10, right? Because, you know, you think at year three, you got to figure it out. But, you know, alas, <laughs> it always throws you a curve. Yeah. Especially, you know, hemp. And, and there's a lot, a lot of opportunity to lose money. <laughs> it's very if you easy. Do it wrong. Yeah, very easy, very easy to lose money with him. So you you go into it, go in brave, but don't go in stupid. You know, do your numbers, do your research, talk to people, read, 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 ask questions, listen to people who've done it before. If you nobody, if you don't think anybody's done it before, you're wrong. Someone's done it before. So you know, use your lifelines as best you can, and and welcome into the cannabis game. If you're using cannabis, you are by default a good person because cannabis makes you good. Even George Bush, who I think is the height of evil, if he starts using cannabis, he's now repented. He's walking, he's walking, that's what repent means, to walk in a new direction. Like, what am I going to, like, make him pay? Like, the, 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 I want to be clear about things. Like, when we take over the world, it's clear amnesty for everybody. None of these people has to go to jail. Like, we want just, just truth. Like, we know that you stole and lied and cheated and beat or whatever it is you did. You know, but that's on you to deal with when you die. You know, that's not on me. I don't take any pleasure in like seeing someone. You know, I don't want to take like Justin Trudeau and make. You know, but you understand how much of a traitor the Trudeaus are to the Canadian people, right? Like, it was people get their mind around it. Like, they're trying to enslave us to servitude, right? To this to this money system. They they don't even know. They don't even know. I bet you Justin doesn't even understand. You know, he's just like he's it's the zombie, right? It's the zombie system. That's why the system is a zombie because people don't really understand what it is they do. But these taxes and this whole marijuana legalization thing, it's just more money for them. It's more revenue. It's, it's not enough for us to have the underground marijuana economy to ourselves so that we can live off it. They got to shove their nose into that one too, right? It's the money. It's the taxes. And they're not letting anybody do at the CBD because they got to figure out how they get their guys in to get the best, you know, the best seat at the table. Like, they're just so greedy and gross. 
you know, and the only reason they get the choice pieces of the t of the meal and they get the best seats in the show is because we want their money. <laughs> Let's stop wanting their money, right? And that's that's on me. You know, I got to give all of us that that choice. And then if you choose to take their money, that's you know that's on you. But you know, I got you know that's and that's what I'm all about. And I'm, I'm hoping this I could use this to maybe just look up Joel and Adam listen to this a little bit and sort of figure out you know what their role is in this all it's gonna be but it's gonna it's you know i can't think of a better thing to try for than to usurp the war machine what you got something better no yeah no, no one's got anything better it's the best thing to do and like and how audacious who are these kids you know shouldn't they be studying from sort of you know textbook from 1985 like you know, like it doesn't matter what other people think Right? If, if they don't have a plan, if they don't have anything to say about how to improve it, what, what do they have, why do we care what they think? You know? It's only the people who have a chance to improve it. And I just got eight kids, and I'm going to be damned if they're going to grow up in a, the same world that I grew up in, because the world I grew up in was pretty, pretty callous, pretty brutal. I didn't like uh, the way that they treated immigrants. <laughs> You know, and, I'm, and I see it kind of, you know, in today's world. There's like some people that just don't get it. You know, we all, like, everyone can be poor. Do not judge someone because they are poor. Everyone is poor. We are all in debt. All of that money belongs to them. It's all their money. When you pay it back, that $900,000 for that loan, when you pay it back, it's all to their ledger. Yeah. They own it all. You don't, they don't even share any of it with you. They, in fact, they make you pay extra for because they, they had to lend it to you. Uh, out of their good good nature, they had to make it up out of thin air and lend it to you. With the, just such hard work. It's so, it's, so, it's so encumbering on them that they actually had to charge you interest on that hard work of making it up out of thin air and lending it to you. <laughs> it's like, it's just, we are sheeple, right? And, and that's what psychedelics do. They break you out of those types of um, constructs, you know. Yeah. You, 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 and it's uh, that's why they're so illegal. They're the most illegal of all the drugs, the psychedelics. You know, cocaine is such schedule two, but you know. Oh, cocaine schedule one. Psychedelics are schedule three. Not in the United States. No, not in the United said, States. No, not in the United yeah. States. They oh, are sorry. schedule one in the United States. Yeah. 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 Canada's. Sorry. I guess. I guess I'm. I'm addressing this to the council. <laughs> <laughs> we know your secret power. <laughs> and so anyway, like, you know, I just feel that it is um, just good to talk about what's true, you know, and people should know that they are supporting their own enslavement. You know, that's why you are in debt because you asked for their money it's crazy simple but if you don't ask for their money you won't be in debt and we just do have other options but the society doesn't doesn't want to play along because it's too you know we can't all get on one of these 1500 coins like we could get on bitcoin but bitcoin is not really you can't it doesn't work in that way. It's not dynamic. It doesn't suit our needs the way that we need it. How so? 
It is uh, timely to move around. It is uh, variant in its uh, um, amount that it charges. The fact that you get charged for something. When I give you $5, I don't leave any of the $5 in my hand. You know, I give you all five dollars, right? right. There's, there's, a, there's just some things about it that you know don't really meet all the aspects of a free and true economy. I think that you know that, that if you look at the whole crypto world, I think they, they they do a better job of it. Like there are some coins that are rewarded, you know, used for rewarding social media activity. There are other coins that uh, that are tethered to the production of solar energy, like Solar Coin is 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 one of those coins that is already ahead of the curve from from my perspective. You know, I was sort of inspired by them to come up with CB. Coin because I think that tethering these coins to actual commodities is the way that we, and then being intelligent enough to practice the fractional reserve banking with our customers is the way that we, even 5%, even if 5% of the money they expect to come in for these new loans doesn't come in, that's they're so overdrawn. They got so many henchmen. They got so many cops on the payroll. They got so many military strikes planned. They got all these bombs, weapons like Bush, you know, Trump's talking about a $110 billion contract for weapons to Saudi Arabia. And then Pat Robinson, you know, the, the, the preacher is talking about, hey, yeah, you know, it's a lot of jobs. It's a lot of, you know, it's just because one guy got killed. It's a lot of jobs. You don't want to like lose all those jobs for one guy, and it, which is exactly what Jesus said, right? <laughs> well, do not kill unless it's for like a hundred billion dollars. There, you know, like, <laughs> like what the hell, Pat Robinson? Like, this is a preacher. This is an American. This is why I say that you know they. He is guilty for he's he's the classic um, um, taking the Lord's name in vain. And and when I say that to you, what do you think that means? Do not take the Lord's name in vain. I don't know. I'm not a religious man. Have you ever heard that saying? Sure. What do you think it means? Probably not to say use the word God in a profane context. I don't think that means that. Dan, what do you think it means? I don't know. I would have said the same thing. I think if you literally think about it, don't take the Lord's name in your own vanity. Don't dress yourself up like a believer to make yourself look good when you're not. Pat Robinson. Pat Robinson has taken the Lord's name for his own vanity. He dresses himself up like a noble man, but he's not carrying the spirit of the Lord inside of him. He he's okay with a man dying for some contracts, for military contracts. That's not Yeshua would not <laughs> that's not a follower of Yeshua. Now, for him, every life is sacred. Right? That is uh that is a an example of the Council on Foreign Relations in action. You know, they value their own prosperity over all other things. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. You know, like, if you want to break it down into very simple, you know, evil and good, you know, we can get into the world of reality, but it's not like we have superheroes and supervillains. What we have is we have super rich heroes and super rich villains. And that's how the dramas are being played out right now. So, you know, I think that they're all really irresponsible and we need to take their toys away. Which means take their money away. Make their money of no, no consequence. And we can still trade with China. Like, China is way better off than you know, people. Everybody thinks, everybody's like, talks about how bad China is, how bad the whole. But that's because the West can't compete with China. The West, China actually wants to, it's using 
its ability to issue credit for the benefit and the development of that continent. Our vampires that are running the show, they're sucking off of our blood, haven't a clue how to make us happy. They, they would have loved to get into China, and they tried with Mao and all that other stuff in the history, but China has managed to keep their power. That's why, you know, they've always been sort of mysterious. We haven't been able to convert the yuan to the dollar until, for, until recently, because finally the council had to say, okay, all right, all right, we're, we're not going to get into China. All right, we'll t- come up with some sort of truce. But they really had global domination. So thank, thanks to China, you know, we have a little bit of parity in the, the upper superpower structure of the world. Like, you know, they're not going to just go bomb everybody you know, because China's actually protecting us from these madmen that are running the show right now. Like, I don't know how wrong Trump is or I don't know what's going on with that whole drama. That's, that's a lower level drama, what's going on with Trump. Like, you know, the big drama is really um, um, the decision that the, 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 the collective psyche of the world, if we are going to be fearful, if we're going to follow their talking points, that's what we're going to get. But if somebody has better talking points and better options, we could have that. And that's why people should pay attention to Canada's Hip Story and all these other websites that, you know, I have, I have a lot of good websites on at the end of my thing. Like, there are a lot of links yeah, there, yeah. Yeah, like the system is a zombie. You know, like if you, if you don't know what that means, then, you know, you should read more. Because nobody's running the system. There's no mastermind. It was invented... 300 years ago and all those people are dead and the genius was not inherited. You know, the genius is, is, is random. The people who are running the show now are not even probably related to the people who started the system, but they just found themselves in a position of power and realized, oh, my boss just died, but I've been put in the position of, holy shit, nobody knew about this secret thing about it. I could, they could, holy smokes, I could do this. So, you know, and there's all these little fiefdoms, you know, uh, have spun off into... You know, it, out of control. There's just there's these revenue streams that people are being gifted, and they don't use them in any proper, uh, uh, humane way. They don't know. They just don't know. You know, even if people would like to, they don't have a clear path as to what to do. So they go and donate to charities. But you know, of course, these charities. Like, why do we need charities? Like, where does all that money go to from the government? I thought the government was supposed to take care of people. You know, but now they're like, donate to the hurricane, and you know, it's like there's still like there's all this tax money, fifty percent income tax, GST, PST. Like, why? We we have a debt. $600 billion. We pay $175 million a day in interest. But, you know, still, that's just 10% of what we spend. But, like, they don't do anything. The government does nothing. It does not contribute to the gross domestic product. All it does is scare the pants off of us. You know, the tax man, and we, we run around to try to make sense of our numbers, of how we spend. Like, What? Revenue Canada is a doesn't even belong to the Canadian government. It's a it's a subset of the Bank of England. If you were to sue Revenue Canada, the Supreme Court, Rothschild shows up. One of the Rothschilds shows up and represents them. They're not Canadian government. They are, uh, you know, they're a virus. They've they've snuck in. They've taken over, and you know we can continue to believe. But what we really should do is we should give them lip service, but all plan together as to what it is we're going to do to break out. Because they... Stage a coup? Well, we just got to, like, stop using their money. That's how... We, because all of a sudden, if their money is not worth... They, they, see, 
when I was when I'm doing crypto, I can trade crypto to crypto crypto, but it isn't until I change it to fiat that it becomes taxable. Right. They only see fiat. If you use fiat, they see you. But if you don't use fiat, they're just like walking blind because they're just looking for the fiat. Where's the fiat? They don't know how to convert anything else. Right? They only know fiat. So if you don't use fiat, if we could transact and be a society without using that fiat, we, did you see it now? I see it, I see it in your head. You see it now. <laughs> you see it now. And I'm serious because it has every, we have everything to gain here. We can literally stop the war machine because they can't afford to pay for all of it if their money is not worth anything. And their money is not worth anything if we don't need it anymore because we're busy playing with our other toys. And that's what I'm here for, making toys. Is CBD oil like on the rise in Canada right now? Oh, it's on the rise in the world. Like what did Forbes said, twenty billion dollars in the next four years. Like it's billion dollars in sales over in the U.S. right now. Over, just past that, I just saw a report. Like billion this year? Yeah, just now. Yeah, wow. honestly, it is. It it works. <laughs> like listen, something that doesn't have any side effects that is healthy for you because it does for you what healthy eating does for you diminishes inflammation. It works over the course of like. 24 to 48 hours there are you know it is easy to take is easy to accept like it is completely safe as validated by the world health organization report if anybody cares to read even a little bit of science it is abominable it is shameful that the canadian government has chosen to make cbd as illegal STAT, like just out of nowhere, you know, we, I've been, I've inherited, I worked to make hemp available to myself. I am grandfathered in and I would make a case to the Supreme Court that I have an authority over hemp that the Canadian government, that surpasses the Canadian governments because I stand for hemp's reality and reality always circumvents policy. And their policy is not in the best interest of the people, so the people should no longer care what they have to say. And if you don't care what they have to say, stop using their money, come over to the life brand of money. And I know, I keep talking about it, and it's that now, I, because I keep saying it, I'm going to have to make it happen. But I have that all worked out. It's out there now, man. Yeah, it's out there now. <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only way we win. If we don't, um, if we don't, what is it? They, the only way for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. I'm full of quotes. I'm an old man. I'm an old, old man. <laughs> Stacked them up. Yeah, you know, there's a few on my website too. So, um, I went homeschooled all, all the kids as well. So they're brainwashed into my thinking completely. You have? Yeah. My wife is amazing. Oh, you're... Yeah. Yeah. training reinforcements yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. my well both my two oldest kids are what are they doing selling cbd right so uh, well yeah selling cbd come and arrest me <laughs> like I, I dare the policeman to show up and arrest me for selling cbd to grandma you know i just dare no no policeman would they have no self-respecting policeman would who are they who are they doing this for so currently, is CBD regulated? The yeah, same as THC? yeah, yeah. It's a cannabinoid. It's illegal. You need a license, just like you need a license for THC. Preposterous! So out of touch. 
so out of touch. Like you're just making yourself look so criminal. You know, it's who do you think you're fooling by doing this kind of stuff? It's for the people. You're not serving the people. You're serving your self-interests, whatever those are. But you no longer deserve our respect. You know, like that's that's the message. You know, until you're going to actually work for the people, why should the people work for you? You know, and and the only and and they in their arrogance, they're just going to let us. You know, go away. We're going to play a different game. That's what we're going to do. That's what the hemp community is going to do. I know they because I've already tried this idea and they all get it. People who don't get high, they have a harder time with it. People who do get high. They get it. You know, they, they totally understand. Oh, shit, right. Yeah, because we move their stuff around. They, that's energy, and they live off of the energy of us moving their stuff around. If we, stop putting their, if we put their stuff down and we move some other stuff around, we make it alive because like, we are the, the, the museum attendee. You know, we decide what we want to play with. And you know, we just didn't realize because we were too immature as a species. But now that we've matured, thanks to the information revolution that is the Internet, we can speak to each other instantaneously and solve puzzles that were previously unsolvable. And the puzzle today is, where does money come from? Oh, it comes from us. Is there anything else you want to touch on here? Um, amnesty, you know, I don't understand exactly what the policy is. Why is it, is there anybody in jail for marijuana right now? I have no idea what the statistics are like for that. Yeah, I don't know either. I uh, but I would think that there shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there is. There definitely. Is. Yeah. Oh, so, there definitely is. Yeah. So yeah, that seems to be another. You know, like they call themselves a government, but they run it like a mafia. You know, and that's really what they are. Because like, we have to come to terms with that somewhere in the 1980s, probably 70s. Well, it has to be with Trudeau, really. The first Trudeau. Have they know, said what they're planning to do for amnesty post legalization yet? I, I knew they said they were going to make a statement. And I think it was last week already, but I didn't hear. Yeah, I don't know. But essentially, like, organized crime has taken over the governments, right? Like, that's what we got. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare anybody. <laughs> I'm not trying to, like... But if we're going to be realistic about how we move forward, we need to understand that... And they probably don't even rec- see themselves as that. You know, a lot of the people in the, in the, in the individual positions... But, you know, that they do know that they have to do some pretty shitty things. <laughs> and then they just sort of tune that out. But then, you know, they have to sleep at night. So it's, I wish that everybody could sleep as well at night. Because, <laughs> you know, there aren't very many free people. There are not very many free people. Mentally? And economically, you know. Sure. You, you know, I'm one of the few. I, uh, yeah, yeah, no, a lot of people are hindered by... One or both of but, those. Yeah, I, I can I can think a thought without having any cognitive dissonance. You know, the the a lot of people can't think certain thoughts because if they really processed it, they would have to change their life fundamentally. They would have to leave the person they're dating or quit their job or you know it, because if they came to the conclusion of what it is that they're doing, <laughs> they they would be too uncomfortable. And so they just. Don't let that information sink in. You know, it's, it's what's called cognitive dissonance. You 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 consciously keep it fuzzy <laughs> because you know. And so, you know, those people I can't do anything for. You know, like it's only the people that really want to wake you know, up. Yeah, to want insight. You know, and and I'm saying that there is there is a waking up point. You know, uh, it's not like um, 
I think it happened. Like the, everybody thought, like in the 1960s, they thought there was like this. Oh, humanity's gonna wake up, and so, like it, it, it happened. We did, you know. But some of us woke up a little bit sooner than others, and it's like it's gonna happen faster and faster as time goes on, particularly with the with the information in it. But some of the things that I've said tonight will set some minds free. You know, there are some limitations in the tools that we have to think with. And if we can create some constructs in the imagination, what we're doing is we're you know, seeding virtual reality, right? But, but what we are doing is we're also giving ourselves the ability to um, uh, perceive or have a perspective on a mind trick that they've given to us. Like, you know, like we're, we're stuck. We're stuck in a trap. You know, people, people have to understand that. It's, we should not be living a life of debt. And anybody who can get on that board, can get, you know, agrees with me on that, you know, maybe, you know, we should think about how we change that. Because I assure you, it is possible. Okay. Do you want to, uh, why don't you let people know what your website is or anything before we get off here? Uh, Canada's hemp story dot ca or dot com, and uh, you just go there, and it's really I, I built it the way it is right now, but it is you know it is in the hands of some professional uh, web people that know how to you know know much better about building websites than I do. Uh, the content is there, you know, if you really want to you know go through it, it, I laid it out as, as best as I could. There's a lot of you know good stuff. A lot of, you can get a hemp PhD if you listen to all of some of the <laughs> some of the stuff that goes on. They're really really educational. Like the newspaper articles, you know, the, the people because reporters, you know, would interview me and then they would you know some of the most pertinent stuff would make it into the newspaper articles. So you can save yourself a lot of hassle by just reading through what people thought was important back then because it probably was. You know, there's a lot of great people that sacrificed and the idea is to sort of like pay homage to not just myself, <laughs> but yeah, and or my wife as well, who is like really, it's like her and I together in this thing. You know, like she's, when I say we, it's me and her, like in this lot, but right. everybody else joined on and I'm, we're happy for that, but really it's me and her. We're the ones who really, you know, sacrificed our, our children. But now, you know, we got, we're the first family of hemp. It's what I like to, I like to call ourselves that. <laughs> <laughs> or the hemp royals kind of, you know, nice. you know, you know but um, yeah, we're fine. And so yeah, Canada's hemp story dot ca or dot com, and and um, it it will hopefully be an entree onto my own personal site, which is going to be how we get out of the labyrinth of debt. That'll yeah. be coming soon. That's coming soon. That's what I'm going to be working on in the next year. Okay. So hopefully by next fall, I have I can come and present all of you with the you know, version 1.0 of escape from the labyrinth we'll be happy to have you back man all right okay thanks for coming i had a great time talking to you yeah thanks so